Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think about quitting? It's the combat of life hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off. And to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup. And let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative insurgency up, in their lives. You fire me up, Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. There are certain people in history, in, at least in our modern history, right? Since we've been alive and above dirt, there are certain people in my athletic career, right? From the time, because from the time early on, I can never remember, I always wanted to be an athlete, I always was an athlete. But there were people that created an influence on me, on how the type of athleticism I wanted to have, how I competed, all that, right? Define, it, defines a generation. It, literally defines a generation and and when you find those people and they do it like bo right bo knows football right bo jackson was amazing michael jordan michael jordan hands down tiger Uh, woods tiger woods uh larry bird um laird hamilton kelly slater uh each sport every sport each sport has one, and then there's the, the ones that where it transcends the the sport to where you have people who aren't even athletes wearing their clothes, uh, or, or who who don't even like sports paying attention to them, yeah, watching them and watching the, the the event because of what the individual does, right. and and that right there, when you dig that into that psychology and 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 what enables a human being to get push themselves to be in that place, that fascinates the hell out of me. Sure, I mean it's got to be tough enough to want to be good all the time thinking that yourself and then knowing that everyone around you expects you to be good every time you get up there totally there yeah. in the, and then and then imagine this you 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 build to the pinnacle then you crash and then you've got to build it back up i mean i cannot wait to hear what he has to say <laughs> the craziest about this. thing about i guess about us or you you go into a sporter and in, into anything training knowing <clears throat> that if you're if you're wanting to go to number one, right? Right. That you're eventually going. You have the knowledge that you won't always be there. That it ends. Exactly. Uh, my, I mean, for, in order to get there, you have to beat the guy who thought the same thing. And the understanding once you fall from number one is 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 the part that gets you. You, you don't think about that, right? That's at, never in the equation while you're trying to get there at all. 
How could it be in the equation? Because if it isn't, it's the number one thing that the guys come down when they when you hear them talking. They're like, hey, you know, the hardest when you're coming down, and that's the advice that no one wants to. You don't even let the advice I, in there. Andre said it. I mean, how, how many people we've talked to have said <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, but and it's kind of funny because you, you're thinking you want to hear everything this guy has to say because he was number one, except for the part after that. I don't want to hear. You know what I mean? You don't even <laughs> listen to that part because everything is in the quest to get up there to be. Number one. Well, and and that's what I think is the confusion about the quest, the journey itself. Exactly. It, it is only the climb, but instead of you're you're literally only get you're not getting trained in every part of what you're doing. They, yeah. We always leave that part out. Yeah, absolutely. So I I think it's pretty amazing that we were able to to reach out and get Andre Agassi, uh, arguably one of the greatest professional men's tennis players in history. To come on the show, and hopefully he's going to talk about this stuff that are that will influence our listeners in such a way where they they understand that it is it is a climb and a fall and oh, a climb. Had, and yeah, a he's fall. had a crazy ride. Oh my God! When you when you look at when you look at his background, right? And, and let's just take a, a brief look at at Andre Agassi, right? Here's a guy that let's say uh, let's look at his career eight grand slam victories and a runner and a runner up in seven more 1996 olympic gold medalist and and you know that year he also run won the grand slam so he run, won the grand slam and then the the gold medal and i forget there's a name for that too right uh, agassi was the first male player to win all four grand slam tournaments in three different sur- surfaces hard Hard court, clay court, and grass court. 17 ATP Master Series tired. Part of the winning Davis Cup team, 90, 92, 95. 2011, uh, inducted into the Tennis Hall of Fame. And it goes Even on my, my and on. My father watched on. tennis in 92. Everybody, right. everybody was watching tennis in 92, right? And it was just... Oh, remember the Nike commercials <laughs> with, with the attitude? He had the acid wash shorts and that long hair and everything. And that's when they had the shoes. They had the that new toe and if you wore it out you could take them back and get it for free yep and then the velcro remember the first cross trainer velcro heel uh, lace type combo man Bo brought that in right well he started and then andre perfected right. it right because yeah, Bo's shoe was was limited that, that but mid, yeah 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 but but andre was the one who took it to another level because he you know they he'd show him working out in those then playing tennis in those then running in those and okay I knew what I was thinking. So the other day, we were going to an event up in uh, up in Dallas. I think it was uh, it was a charity event for Glenn Beck or something like yeah, that. I yeah. walk into the hotel. There is a, I guess she was, she was 14, 15 years old yeah. and had the, the Agassiz on. No. The, 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 uh, the lava ones. Yeah. The white yeah. ones with the lava. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I guess I kind of dorked out. Mel was standing there, too. And I was like, hey. I go, check out. Hey, Mel. I was like, hey, ma'am. I was like, miss. I was yeah. like, Hey, those shoes are great. I had it when I was your age, man. The guy, she, of course, they were. She's standing there with her, I guess, her boyfriend, <laughs> right, right? And they were looking at me like I was a creepy old bastard. For, <laughs> and you are. <laughs> I, I, I guess I was right. I was talking to some kid about her shoes. That's weird. Didn't even know her. Now I think about it. <laughs> Kidding. Jesus. <laughs> so what did she say when you asked her? Hey, did you do you hey, like? You know, I'm like, did you like Andre Agassi? And she's like, who? No, no. I don't think it got past the weird look there. Yeah, the weird, the old weird. Well, you know, there's so much more to this guy too. I mean, you know, he ascended to number one, crashed back down, ascended back up. He started this Andre Agassi Charitable Foundation. He's got his charter school systems. Oh, that's what his life after tennis is. What's oh, it's amazing. So I cannot wait to hear what this guy has to talk about. What he has to say in terms of. 
what it takes to get to number one, fall back down to 141st, and then get back to number one. What what that? How do you do that, man? How do you uh, do it? Let you know how good he was. He wasn't even playing, and they ranked him 141. <laughs> That's right? true. That's true. Because there are a lot of tennis players out there. I worked with the United States Tennis Association last year uh, with their players. I did a big speech with them and helped their coaches on some things. And and man, it, you know the sport is is shrinking. So, but that was the heyday of the sport. Remember McEnroe and 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 who else was out there? I, I remember uh, Boris Becker. You had uh, Pete Sampras. I mean, that was his. Uh, um, yeah, the McEnroe boys. They, oh yeah, uh, John and his oh. brother, and then. Uh, we can't, I know we're leaving somebody out. We shouldn't. Well, right? my favorite was Beyond Borg. Yeah. yeah oh, I was back in the day. <laughs> that was way back. Yeah. That was like 70s, 80s, dude. But that's what <laughs> I, I was first. The was, yeah, the, yeah, the feeler, dude. The feeler. Putting rackets. <laughs> <laughs> Take me back to old Oh, dude, old that's from my mom. My, my, my mom's two-time state oh, yeah, champion so tennis player. I, like my, I, all, all white. Long pants, white long sleeve shirt, oh. wind bracket. Oh, dude, that's like Arthur Ashe. Why am I doing this yeah. like anybody can? Like a Fred Laver pose. Right. You just did a Fred, Fred Laver. Laver. Arthur Ashe, great. Dude, one of the best. Right. I mean, I mean, the Arthur Ashe Foundation. I just, what I love about the game is it, it really is, you know, it's an individual sport. And you, Michael Chang. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm working with a, a 13-year-old female tennis protege right now, Phenom, and Man, I, I just you know it's it's a whole different ball game for these these kids nowadays, and and you know they have all this experience to to tie into, and the challenges is who do you direct them towards as their influence? That's why I'm stoked to get them on. I had a chance, I got a chance to meet Jennifer Capriati before or after, after well after this, okay, I mean, uh, yeah, and uh, I don't even remember where I ran into her at, man, but uh, she was she was Phenom, Phenom Pro thirteen, right? And then yes. when they brought her on, yes. she just started. 16 pro and all that, yeah. It's kind of when all that shifted into that protege and kids down that young, right? When oh, it, when they started coming up, even and, the the Williams sisters, they were protege, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, those girls are different, ba- different, different level. Well, I, and they're I, they're that's all, yeah. They're that, good. That, that's beyond good. I mean, that's a whole nother level. Define a generation. Yeah, for sure. We got to get Serena and Venus on, yeah. man. Absolutely. Well, anyways. Listen, if this is your, if you're just tuning in <laughs> to the Team Never Quit podcast, welcome. And wondering what's going on. <laughs> welcome. Uh, what Marcus Luttrell and I, I'm, I'm Instructor Rutt, David Rutherford, and this is Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. What our mission now in life is to reach as many human beings on the planet with incredible stories that will help transform people's ability to overcome obstacles, face adversity, succeed in the combat of life, to teach them the never quit a- attitude and mindset so they can defeat the negative insurgency in their lives. And and that's what our mission is. So if this is your first time, thank you for coming on board. If you're a return listener, uh, Marcus and I just really want to thank you for being loyal to us. Thank you for helping us spread the word. And most importantly, we want to thank you for helping us become one of Apple iTunes top podcasts of 2016. We we just really appreciate that honor. It's not. It's because of you, and it's because of these incredible guests that we have on the show. If you want to learn more about what it is, who we are, what we do, please visit our website at tnqpodcast.com or follow us on social media at Marcus Luttrell or at Team Frog Logic. Um, all right, man. So, you know, this is going to be a big one. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm super fired up. So without further ado, let's get Mr. Andre Agassi on board. Marcus, now I'm telling you, dude, you know how fired up I am for this one because since the time I can even imagine, the time I can dream of, my mom, uh, you know, former 
two-time state champion tennis player in Michigan, shoved a racket in my hand. And in the you know in the 80s and 90s where where I was like, I love the game, I love everything. This guy was one of my heroes, dude. So to have him on right now, I am busting out at the seam, brother. And somebody is, is so impactful that you dress like them. You go you go learn a sport that you had never even seen before. And, and, oh, bro, I had the shoes. <laughs> I had the, the shorts. I had the bandana. So let's just get them on here because I, I really just cannot wait to, to expose our audience to one of the greatest players that's ever played the game and one of the greatest competitors that's ever to be out there, Mr. Andre Agassi. Thank you for coming on the show, sir. Oh, you guys are heroes of mine. It is a pleasure to absolutely, absolutely be here at this intersection in life. Well, that's cool. That's cool. All right. So the, what we're going to do before we get to the meat and potatoes of what everybody wants to hear you talk about, we got to get you warmed up, right? I know just like us, we're getting a little old, a little long in the tooth. We need to stretch out a little bit. So what we're going to do is we're going to stretch out your, your gray matter up there with what we call the Mad Minute. Now, the Mad Minute is a rapid fire, fun answer question for me and Marcus just to get you primed and, and, and ready for the, the, the big stuff later. So are you ready for that, Andre? Yeah, it doesn't sound like a warm-up. It sounds like a sprint, but I'm ready. <laughs> it ends up being that, but, but that, let's go. All right, Marcus, fire away, bud. All right, brother, favorite superhero. Favorite superhero. Got to go Superman. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for backing me up on that one. I appreciate that. All right, give us one item on your bucket list. Oh, item on my bucket list. Um, well, I, I, I had one uh, bucket list item uh, uh, knocked down uh, this January when my, uh, my two-month-old uh, Great Dane showed up. I, I always wanted a Great Dane, so that was one that that uh, I managed to, to enjoy this year. But moving forward, uh, bucket list would probably be to, um, to, to uh, you know, to, to see Israel with my family. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I had a close, I, go there too. I had a really close friend uh, go back uh, just recently with her two kids. And she said it was the most amazing experience ever. I mean, I, that, that's something that's definitely up there with me too, brother. All right, go for it. All right. Favorite movie character you like to play out in real life. Favorite movie character I'd like to play in real life? I would probably say uh, um, um, Anthony Hopkins' performance as C.S. Lewis in Shadowlands. That's such a good flick. Oh, great answer. Great answer. Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, he's a badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to get him on. All right, all right. What is your favorite thing to cook? Oh, I'm, I'm ever in pursuit of the perfect steak. Mm. Oh. We're going to get along famously. <laughs> That's Marcus's whole world right yeah. there. <laughs> First car. First car, uh, I, I bought it with my uh, hard-earned uh, uh, dollars, uh, 5000 bucks, 1969, 280 ZX, marooned, marooned out with maroon louvers. <laughs> Watch that thing twice a week. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. That is so awesome. All right. Yeah, it's uh, 69,000 miles on it. Those things did last forever. Oh, they were amazing. They're amazing, dude. They always look cool no matter yeah. what. All right, go ahead, Marcus. Last question. All right, brother. If you could sing a song as good as the artist who sings it, halftime Super Bowl, what, time, what song would it be? Ooh, uh, that is a heck of a question. Wow. These, <laughs> uh, I would... I would sing, uh, you know what? I would probably go into like alter ego and probably go like November rain or something, you yes. know, like, 
if I'd go hardcore, like total rock out, you know, and then uh, uh, tick that one off my bucket list as well. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. And with the resurgence of GNR recently, uh, that's yeah. right there up there with me, too. Be able to walk in, sit down on the piano, and belt that out. I mean, oh. you know, that, you're good to go anywhere, right? Dude, I listened <laughs> to that song daily back when it came out for like three months, man. I love GNR. Yeah. All right, that well, that's the Mad Minute, Andre. We really appreciate you having fun with us and uh, just to get loosed up. Well, the main reason people come to the show is is to learn something. The, the 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 hundreds of thousands of people out there that are paying attention on a regular basis, and 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 we believe wholeheartedly that your life and your incredible uh, exploits and experiences are, are are right there to teach our listeners something significant. So let's pivot and let's get right into it. Could you please share with our listeners? your greatest never-quit story. Oh, wow, sure. Well, you know, there's, it's sort of twofold. I might even allow you to, um, to, 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 to pick it because one is more um, sort of in, in the moment it actually happening in, in a contained period of time, and the other is much more of a journey that put me on to a pretty serious you know, fight and battle and, uh, and an understanding of myself. So if, if, if one you preferred more than the other... I could focus on um, one is again in a period of time, an actual match that took place that was sort of a microcosm of of, of a bigger of a bigger journey. Uh, the other was the actual journey itself. We would like the journey itself. Like we had Dustin Pedroia on from the Red Sox, and 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 his he told his epic journey as well as Charlie Daniels, and that's what we I think our listeners really want to hear. It's that continuous struggle of never quitting. So if you could. That'd be the that we'd love to have that if please. Uh, absolutely. Well, let me let me just start by saying uh, um, one of the one of the biggest controversies, if you will, in my book or or or, or sort of bombshells happened on page one where I talked about um, my dark and secret hatred for uh, for for the sport of tennis. And, wow. And it was a lot had to do with the way I was raised, and a lot had to do with with the fact that it was never my choice, and so I found myself. Sort of living a life that uh, that wasn't a, of my choosing, always feeling like whatever it is, you know, I, I accomplished was somehow going to be, you know, the payoff for for this for this, um, you know, for the trials and tribulations I would go through emotionally, pretty much on a daily basis. My my father sent me away from home when I was 13 to a tennis academy. I call it more of a military sort of academy. Right. It, was, it was a bit like Lord of the Flies with. Uh, <laughs> Forehands and backhands, in the sense that there was no adult supervision, children raising themselves. I kind of rebelled at that abandonment, and the only way to get out of it was to was to succeed. Um, that I did, um, and and managed to take that rebellion onto a world stage, where where I sort of found the world telling me who I was when I myself didn't even know who I was. It led to wow. a deeper resentment. Um, all the while, um, I was actually pretty pretty good at the sport and 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 so I kept you know sort of pursuing this 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 uh, goal or objective that somehow might make all this make sense to me and you know my father used to always introduce me as a future number one player in the world and um you know I when you're 7 years old you you believe it and and you know I started to win and I started Badly. to win these tournaments and the truth is is that every time I won uh, I reckon I was let in on this dirty little secret that that it doesn't change anything. You're still expected to go out there and do the same thing the next day. Be, be judged for what you are, for what you aren't. Reading it in the paper it was all a bit of a whirlwind for me, and and I got to a point where I was um, 
so disheartened with it all that I, I just I just I just hoped that being number one in the world and fulfilling what my father always wanted me to do would sort of answer some of that that disconnect and and I'll never forget the day I became number one in the world. Um, I was sort of real disillusioned by it. It was I, I actually felt nothing, you know, and oh. and, and and as a result, I, I really started an inward spiral um, that that manifests itself with a lot of bad decisions. Uh, off the court, I I completely gave up on tennis inside the lines. Um, fell to number 141 in the world. Found myself in a in a marriage I didn't want to be in. Um, um, mm. Found myself uh, using recreational recreational drugs to the point of uh, of, of of destroying my my body. Um, and 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 I'll never forget this sort of moment that happened to me in in Germany where I took a wild card. For those that don't know what that is, when you're 140 in the world. You can't get into these tournaments, but if you can still put people in the seats, you know they'll give you a wild card, the directors, and have you come because it's good for their business. And I got a wild card to get in the tournament, and I got what I deserved. I, I lost real quickly inside an hour. And I remember my coach, who, who I love dearly, was uh, um, walk goes back to the hotel with me, walks inside um, my hotel room, shuts the door, locks it, and basically says to me, "You're gonna." We're going to make a decision here tonight before we leave. You're either going to start over again or you're going to quit. Oh, um, wow. But this is, you're too good for this, and it's too painful for me to watch. And, and I remember looking out the window, seeing a lot of people in their lives, and I never hated tennis so much as I did in that moment. And, and I'm looking at the cars, I'm looking at the people, and I'm wondering if they you know, chose their life, if they hate their life. If you know what their reason is for for what they do, and and it was like uh, I remember a light bulb kind of going off as an epiphany. Now epiphanies don't change your life; it's what you do after that right. on a daily basis that does. But mm. the epiphany that went off in my mind is that I realized so many of us don't sort of choose our life. I mean, huh. who really chooses where you're born? Who chooses how you're nurtured? Who chooses what your strengths and weaknesses are? And, and but just because you don't choose your life doesn't mean you can't take ownership of it. And and I I made a decision that night as soon as I gave myself permission to quit, to to take ownership by finding my reason for what it is I do. Um, and and that led to to me seeing this great program on 60 Minutes about um, a charter school Kip uh, Kip right. Academy Knowledge Power Program and. And, you know, they're big in Texas and all through the country, quite frankly. But it was Michael Feinberg and Dave Levin, and I watched them rolling up their sleeves in these children's lives, children that really didn't have choice. I mean, talk about talk about the downside of me not having choice. I found myself at number one in the world and being recognized as a, as a sports, you know, champion. These kids, you know, in a life that they didn't choose, they find themselves in gangs. They find themselves, you know, in drugs. They find themselves in our prison yeah. systems. And so when I watched him change, I said, you know, that I felt like that was my calling. My calling was to use my platform of tennis to create an opportunity for uh, for these children to have choice in their life. So I kind of made education my work as I was 140 in the world, and then I started this daily this daily trek back, not knowing what I could ever accomplish again, but knowing I could really use the sport to help my 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 vision, my mission. And and that was the that was the daily kind of grind in it because the hard part is not knowing you know the first time I'm not going to say it's easy to 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 get to the top right. but what I will say it's a heck of a lot easier 
when you don't know what every day actually means. You know, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. You don't know if this bad day is a real setback. You don't know if this. You think this good day means so many. You know. Uh, you know. Uh, such so many steps forward, and and all of that is kind of not the case. But when you've been through it, you know what means what, and it's easy to get discouraged on a daily basis. But I kept setting my goals, and I kept building that momentum for myself, and I kept saying, well. You can't control so many things. What can you control? You can control your your daily commitment. You can control your efforts. You can control your 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 preparation, your intensity. So I really started focusing on what I on how I engage with my life today, not knowing even what tomorrow meant. A little bit of a of a of a of a longer story short, you know, I found myself making it back to number one in the world. And right. I think the thing that really incredibly um, surprised me about that whole journey was when you get back to number one, you, it's not that I, all of a sudden I felt like I had arrived. Um, it was the same feelings as before, except in, except so profoundly different in the sense that it had nothing to do with being number one. It had to do with how I choose to engage with my life. So when you're number one, you have nobody to judge yourself by. So as a result, the one thing you end up asking is, you know, well, what can I do then? Well, what, what, where, where do I go? What do I do now? And you realize that it's about how do you make yourself better today? Well, right. here's what I can do. I can work harder. Here's what. And so the thing that kind of hit me was there's no difference between being number one in the world or, or being at, at a low point in your life because that's, you know, the, the, the stuff that's happening in the past is the rearview mirror, the stuff that you, you hope for in the future is your front window. But if you don't take care of your immediate day, if you don't take care of your the engine of your car, so to speak, the engine of your life today, you're not getting to that future anyhow. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, how we choose to live daily sort of became my 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 mantra and, and, and the momentum and opportunities and, and successes and, and joys and, 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 and pains. I mean, I, I allow them all to... I allow myself to feel them all deeply on a daily basis, and it helps helps make me who I am. Uh, I mean, that's just remarkable. I, I, you know, when I, as I hear this transition, and you know, we 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 to- we have so many amazing human beings on that that get into that that moment where they start to realize, hey, it's what I do every day that defines me. It's what I do, how I, you know, how I live with purpose in the moment. What did your what did you and your coach talk about in that room, and how long did it take you to get to realize that all right, my platform and how I'm going to save children or at least guide children in a better way? How long did that process get to, and did it happen that that night in that hotel room? Well, a decision happened that night in that hotel room. You know, it was the, in, it, the emotional part of it because when we're all in those moments in our life, I think. We really are 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 tempted and 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 fall victim to to just kind of reacting, you know, and then yeah, you kind yeah, of sure pressure from the person. Yeah, absolutely. And my feeling in that moment was I gave myself permission to quit, and then in that moment of giving myself permission to quit, I was almost disgusted with myself at the same time. It was almost like uh. it's almost like I rebelled against my rebellion. You know, <laughs> it was like I just I just sort of said, well, like like. That's too easy. I just gave myself permission to quit. I'm still not happy. I mean, I'm still, you know, it was a, it was all this internal dialogue. And, and that's when I said, no, 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 I need to, so many people on Twitter, I need to make this decision. And I made the decision 
to start over again within, you know, 30 minutes in that hotel room. It was a long 30 minutes. Don't get me wrong. It felt like time stood Stood still. still, I I didn't make the decision there. Now the question becomes is how are you going to act on a daily basis to pursue and live up to, to what it is that you're asking of yourself, you know, every day. And my first goal was to find my reason. And I, and I didn't rush that. Um, you know, I, I prayed about it. I, 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 I grinded. I tried to show some patience with it. I, I, I set up a simultaneous plan on, on what I'm going to do physically to start getting myself back in order again, which boiled down to setting achievable um, goals on a daily basis, literally writing down goals on a daily basis, starting back at the challenger level, which is a small tournaments where where these are your playing guys that never dream they meet you, let alone right. let alone let alone beat you, right? And and that's what they mm-hmm. were doing. And I just I and I, and I remember I had so many small victories through it, you know. And the victory was here I am back on the dusty courts of UNLV and my hometown of Las Vegas, you know. And 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 I never felt so engaged with what I was doing. And and I I found myself the top of the world at Wimbledon you know, trying to lose just so I can get out of there and leave because I was so unhappy. And here I was, you know, in my backyard sort of, sort of playing at the local bar, if you will. And, and, and I never felt, I never felt so connected. And, and that feeling of being connected was what was inspiring me on a, on a daily basis as it relates to the actual education side of things. My, my vision for the school came in, in, in the late fall of, 97 more or less uh, towards winter time you know, end of the year and uh and and the my actual school ended up opening and and you know 2001 so what you got to you got to understand that that I don't do things well, you know I'm a, I'm a very I'm a passionate person and sometimes you know my strength is my weakness and <laughs> and I I yeah, made a commitment yeah, yeah. I took out a 40 million dollar mortgage to build this school and then I had to figure out ways to pay for it Wow. Um, and and I and I did on a daily basis as well. So it was it was slow, um, uh, long at the time, but you know, in hindsight, it all it all built some serious momentum on on all fronts. Well, what's really interesting to me is that I, I liked how you talk about patience, but patience within uh, the singularity of 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 goal achieving right in front of you, right? That front sight focus that they do to us in SEAL training, right? It's not about the six months down the line when you graduate or the, the six months later or a year later when you get your trident. It's, no, it's, you just become that. Right? Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's the front sight focus every single day. What's in front of you? Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's, if you do it right, you know, there's, there's no finish line, you know, the finish line is, is, is who we are and who we choose to be. And that's, that's, that's unquestionably a daily commitment to yourself. One one of the amazing things that that we talk about all the time, because we you know we all have these ups and downs, and having to come back from these dark periods or these periods where we don't, we don't believe so much in ourselves and what our our true purpose is. But what Marcus and I always bring back it always kind of centers for us on the team that you have around there around you in this process. So who are some of the key people, Andre, that in your climb back that fed you that positivity that this was a, a way for you to redefine not only yourself, but your purpose and your and who you are in that sport to give you a true identity that had positivity attached? Who are those people? Sure, sure. So I, the two people that were closest to that battle uh, on a daily basis was my coach, Brad Gilbert, and my trainer since I was 
um, since I was, you know, started my, my career, basically Gil, Gil Ray is my physical strength trainer who had to sort of rebuild my body, if you will. Uh, you know, he, but I don't even call him, he's not even my trainer. He's, he's really my, my, my surrogate father. I mean, wow. he, he, he raised me, uh, from 17 on for the most part, uh, teaching me with what he does and how he, how he conducts himself with his actions, teaching me that I was worth, you know, caring about and, you know, and I took some departures from his love and guidance unquestionably through the through the journey, but but it was always there for me. And and when I when I reengaged, um, I've never seen somebody you know you know fight harder. And and all of a sudden, so many things that he was trying to teach me along the way were starting to become so real. You know, it was right. It, you know, and I started to see it almost as if you know your eyes get open to you've heard it before, but now it just sounds different. And, <laughs> And, and everything, everything, everything lines up. Mm-hmm. So those two were were really instrumental in my daily, in my in my daily battle. That, that's awesome. That's really cool. I got a question for you. When when did you start to say, "All right, I actually love playing tennis"? Did that happen quickly, or did you ever get back? Did you ever get to that point? Um, well, it's it's interesting. It's 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 not. You know, I think any any truth in life um, is is complex in nature, you know, it's, it's, while, while it's simple from one perspective, it's, uh, what it is, is, is not quite as, as, as simple as that. I mean, what, what started to happen when I started to play for, for, for my, for my, for other reasons, I started to, I, I got out of my own way. And once I got out of my own way, um, it was easier for me to leave emotion out of the court and off those lines, and in the process of doing that, I had great moments on a tennis court where where I really felt like like I thought everybody else was. You know, I would sit in these locker rooms and I would look at these players who looked so happy to be there, and I kept thinking, well, they're just, you know, they're just bullshitting, quite frankly. <laughs> and, and, and as a result, I need to put on my game face and act like I, there's no other place that I'd rather be. But the truth was I found those moments periodically, uh, you know, separated by by sometimes weeks, if not longer, uh, that grew into more and more moments. So when I got out of my, my own way and I started to get engaged with what I was doing and I started to apply the discipline of leaving the emotion in the locker room and taking care of business, I started to get, I started to hit those, those, those sort of uh, surreal um, athletic moments where you kind of, where an athlete says they're in the zone and where everything gets tuned out and then you, then you feel that sense of pride when you, you push yourself across the finish line that that inevitably keeps moving from you, and you're battling against somebody else that that you respect yet you want to destroy, and and you're just you know you go through these emotions, and you kind of realize that was pretty darn cool to share that with thousands of people, if not millions of people, depending on the on the situation, mm-hmm. and and so when you build those moments up, you know yes, it does offset the the how the the trauma that you've gone through, and it does sort of you know, help balance the scales of the of of the abuse that you've done to yourself and put yourself through. But the question you have to you, you, the fight really is to is to make sure that that you you outweigh that scale so that you're no longer um, you know living as a, as a as a prisoner of it, but you're but you're managing it. So do did I do I love tennis? I would tell you that um, tennis isn't to love or to hate. You know. Um, wow. Uh, and and I did I did a lot of both uh, at times, but but for me it, it it taught me so much. It it took a lot from me. Uh, it asked a lot of me, 
but it gave a lot to me. And, and, and as a result, um, I look at it as fair enough. I look at it as, you know, that's, that's fair enough. Wow. And the one thing about sports is they bring out what you, you're right. Loving the game. I, I understand that kind of perspective. It, what it does, it brings out what you love and hate in yourself, especially in those times when you're getting down and if there's somebody across from you, putting it on you and, um, tennis court, you're out there by yourself, man. Marcus, let me assure you of this in an athletic world, and I know the world you live is that intensified. I can only imagine the loneliness that, that is felt out there, the need to count on, on others, and, and, the, and the reality that there's no place to hide. I mean, right. the, tr- the truth is, is when you're, when you're out there, uh, you know, especially on a tennis court, just speaking about sports, you know, there's not too many sports that you're alone out there. There's not too many sport, sports where... You can't hide behind a helmet if you screw up. There's not too many sports that you can't pass the ball if you're having a bad day where you can't, you know, take a time out if you need to gather yourself where, where you can't just build a lead and run out of clock. You have to get across this finish line that, 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 that sort of has this gravitational pull towards it as you're coming to the close, but yet there's this opposite force that's sort of pushing you away from it, you know, battling those things. All by yourself, yeah. It's a it's a staring contest, and it ends up being a battle with yourself. And and I know you know that from what you've been through, things that you you know both of you have have gone gone on in your own lives. And there's sometimes you just you have to you have to be exposed, and you have to be you know sort of uh, stripped down in order to, to to build up to who it is or what it is you aspire to be. Well, I thought it was really interesting, you know, and I, I hear this all the time and I actually, you know, with the coach and I do with people and I, I talk about this as well as getting out of your own way. And if you could, Andre, could you elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by that? Because I think so many people that are struggling in life and have these, you know, are facing these obstacles and adversity, they don't even know what that means to get out of their own way. Could, so, so could you could expand on that a little bit? You know, what I would say to somebody is it means stop focusing on yourself. Um, to me, that's what it became. It became about um, about it not being about what I feel. You know, uh, you know, I it, it's just there's a there's there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of ego in in mm. being in your own way. You know, there's a lot of 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 uh, in some cases arrogance. In some cases. You know, but it's but it's all ignorant because we're, who we are is 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 designed to 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 care. It's designed to to strive. It's designed to 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 give everything we have to be the most we can be. And if we're if we're if we're if we're just too focused on ourselves and not and not what it is that that we're that we're trying to do, you know, what it is we're trying to accomplish. So for me, the the vehicle for that was was putting my energy towards towards others you know I, I put it i put it towards those kids that i was helping and 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 all of a sudden my neuroses and my um you know and my um ideas of of what i thought was important it just it just it became so obviously narcissistic you know it's like you want to talk about real pain why don't you just why don't you just look across the street so the second you you get out of your way you stop making it about you and, right and and people, you know, I will never preach to people on how to do that or or what you need to start focusing on. What I would advise them is to to to, to get their eyes off themselves for for just a while, and 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 you will be shocked on how how your eyes get open to 
to getting out of your own way. I mean, that's just, I think you're so right. And, and that's what, you know, this life, I remember when I first got out of the teams and, and, and didn't have that identity anymore. And I was, you know, I was angry because I couldn't translate that identity of a seal in, in civilian public and all these other things that I was trying to do. And it just, I didn't fit in. And it wasn't until I realized that my true purpose in life, my true calling was to serve others, which is what I was taught in the SEAL teams, right? To serve my teammates in the most extreme environments imaginable. And, and Marcus, we talk about that all time is, is you don't really become a team guy until when? Until you feel that servitude, right? Oh, well into it. Yeah, after a lot of those, I have to go through a lot of those barriers just to to get that that true feeling is different and it's kind of funny i listen to him talk about that it's different for everybody else and i imagine with athletes it's just got to be unbelievable especially when you're striving for a number one spot and uh it's like there's a saying in horse racing like, you train a horse put them in the gate teach them to come out of the gate i mean you, you teach them everything right and the jockey works with them non-stop but then there's a time when it boils down to the race and you know what you're supposed to do and you're going through it man you can hear the owners and the trainer usually in the stands like give him his head give him his head and no matter how much training and all the skills and everything that you possess, man, there's sometimes when you just need to get out of your head or give it, get, you know, give the horse's head and just run, right? You're ready. You're trained. And a lot of that, what the pressure from the outside that everybody's talking about being number one and, and certain stroke or whatever it is that you have to perfect, right? Yeah. You can overdo that. You can overperfect it. And if you concentrate solely on how it, it's supposed to be done and not how you can do it, and probably do it better than you, you eat yourself up from the inside, man. And that's that's what we get over in SEAL training because, and, and exactly what he talked about, man, they just beat it out of us, right? Until <laughs> the point to where you you know that, hey, man, I can be beat, right. all right? Everyone can. But guess what, man? You got to beat me every time. I'm still up. Yeah. And that's that. And every evolution still trains the same thing. Yep, you got beat. I'm going to beat you for it. You still want to be here? Hell yeah, I want to be here, man. It's not a love for it. It's a... I don't even know how to explain. Passion, yeah, exactly. drive, it's just what you drive. are, right? We always yeah. talk about that. Well, Andre, a question for you: As you started this, you know, profound change. And again, I have no idea if that made any sense. <laughs> no, it was, good, it was a good rabbit hole. I love that one, brother. As you as you began this profound change in your life, when was the point in either your your competitive career or your professional career in terms of development of the school or yourself? Uh, your relationships. When was that moment where you're like, "Oh wow, I, I'm I'm there," or I'm 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 really comfortable. Not comfortable is probably not the right word, but I'm really I, I have a strong sense of self identity and what I'm doing is good. When did you feel that after the transition? Well, you know, I think the one thing that I'd like to kind of clarify and answer in that question just especially for anybody out there, you know, listening, maybe looking for that, um, that, that oxygen, if you will, right. that, that breath of, of air, as I would say, we are, we will forever be in process. And, <laughs> and, and that's, that's the reality. And, and when you, when you, when you, like what Marx is saying, when you give in to that, yes, we're going to take beat downs. Yes. Yes. Things are going to be difficult. Yes. But you guess what? I, I accept that this is my journey, and this is what life has for me, and this is what I'm committed to, and this is what I will continually do. So you know, the good news is, yeah, it gets easier. Um, it gets easier as you grow in your, in your faith of that process. Um, um, but, but 
when did you when did I start to get um, glimpses or or, or, or or many wins uh, I mean it happens right away change right. your perspective change your perspective and there's miracles all around us I amen mean, it, it, it's 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 how you it's how you choose to define what what it is that you're doing and and how it is you're going to do it that you're that you're receptive to what those 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 oxygen moments are and I mean for me it was as simple as going wow I care about this again that was my first win that's cool like, I, I couldn't believe that I cared about it I couldn't believe that this was important to me and instead of going it's about the it's about the the result today and 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 you know that care can be so misdirected and but all of a sudden it wasn't about that it was like I care about this and I had a purpose so I, I gave into that care and I just and I just tried and I accomplished my goals and then I went to sleep that night and I said I did it I mean I did it today that's so you know, cool like, yeah and so it, when when it, you don't ever cross a line where where you arrive at at at, 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 at at that process, you know, that process is, is ever going and you can go, uh, you know, um, as deep as, as, as you have, you know, moments on this earth, you can go, you can go deeper and stronger. And what I can tell you when you're living right in, in that respect, when you're living balanced, you're living centered, you're living, you know, in that, in that harmony of, of connection with your own with your own purpose and your own goals and objectives and your own development on all sorts of fronts, um, you, you start those winds start piling up, and those winds become the very backbone and, and platform for the for the strength to overcome what's in store for you around the bend. Well, I mean, I mean that's that's the glory of of God's gift to us is that awakening, right? And and our ability to see those transitions happening in real time through this submission of that life is an ongoing process of learning and educating and growing and, and adapting and moving forward and acceptance of pain and dealing with fear. And I think that is the beautiful aspect. You know, one of the interests, one of the challenges is though, and, you, and, and Marcus and I talk about this all the time, man, it takes so long to get there. And, and we're, we talk about why, why didn't we know this earlier on? Why, wh- why were we so uh, devoid of being able to accept what other people were trying to tell us, these mentors in our lives. Is that what you're trying to do with all the children's organizations that you have going, your school and the foundation? Are you trying to help those kids get on the path earlier or are you just trying to help them uh, in a more simplistic way of saying, hey, it is there is a path, take it one day at a time? Well, I would first say, you know, I never, I've never made it a goal to pick up God's slack. I don't know, I don't know what, what, <laughs> I love that. what somebody's journey is all about. I don't know what they're going to go through. I know one thing, you know, it's, it, it, it's always on time in a person's life. It's always on time, you know, what they're, so the second you start to feel like, I wish I had, I had known it earlier, you know, I've lived enough life now just talking uh, tangibly, you know, where, where, you know, I've, I've had I've given up my childhood. I've had the opportunity as a result to to raise my children. You know, I was from a from a monetary perspective, uh, I was successful at a really early age. Um I could have I could have quit, I could have retired. You know, so a lot of people in their 40s that that miss out raising their kids 
say, I wish I had built my business before so that I could have had the chance to, you know, guess what? I mean, it wouldn't change the additional challenges that are in front of you um, or, or, or if you conquer some, count on it, there's going to be more. So I, I don't second-guess the timing of, of anything that happens in, in my life. Uh, cool. I try not to. It's not always easy. Um, and, and, yes, sometimes, all the time, uh, things happen um, differently than, than we would like them to as far as timing goes. Um, but, you know, C.S. Lewis had a great quote that talked about how, um, you know, we... It, it's like it's like an echo of a tune that that we haven't heard or a scent of a flower we haven't seen, you know. And and it's you know there's a there's a constant feeling of wishing certain things are more tangible in our life, but uh, but that's the part you gotta you gotta just kind of give into. And I think you start to feel it more and more um, and stronger and stronger uh, the deeper you go. I I I I I couldn't have said it better myself. And uh, man, I'm glad you decided to go on the long. Path. <laughs> I'm here, I always take notes of the most profound things that come out of these never quit stories, man. And I'm on page three. I, I know. I see you writing feverishly over there. I love it. Can't man. Even keep up, man. Wait, that was a good one too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I dig it. I dig it. Well, well, you know, one of the interesting things is is as we move over and we move into these phases because of our perspective, like you said, that once you're able to change perspective and, and, and then implement those changes rapidly, whether it's cognitively, behaviorally, or emotionally, you, you know, then you start the freedom of, of what life can really be is well, out. It's important to know it's okay to have that, a different perspective, especially if, Absolutely. You're, if you're deep in into a rabbit's hole or whatever, something it's Okay. Something profound can happen, and it that's what it does. It's like, wait a minute, I just changed my perspective a little bit. Maybe I should follow it. Did so, that did that okay. happen to you? Was your perspective radically changed in in whether it was you it know changed like four times since you started talking? I'm trying to keep. This is the last one I could. Huh. I wish I would have uh, known that one four years ago. I wish I would have known that one yesterday. Would have been good. But <laughs> I love it. Well, Andre, uh, a couple more questions before before we let you go. Is there are a lot of young athletes out there, and I see this all the time now. And I, you know, I I, I ended up moved was a lacrosse player, played in college, and and I just think about the dedication that I did in the camps and the football camps and all that. But now I'm starting to see with people, uh, you know, there's such a commitment from parents to drive their children who show some semblance of of talent. Uh, in a, in a more heightened way to drive them into these regimented crazed kind of, you know, lifestyles that what it sounds like what you attribute to a lot of your disgust for the game or your, or just how it played out for you. What do you have to say to all those parents out there, whether it be tennis or football or swimming or whatever, what do you have to say to them? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And, uh, and, and well, the first thing I would say is I, I don't, uh, I don't preach to parents. I, I I speak as a parent, and and as a result, what what I've learned uh, in my life and what I've learned sort of with my children is um, is is the first and most important um, uh, thing to decide as a parent is how you're going to define success. Uh, and I and I and as a parent, I I highly suggest to define that wisely because yeah, when yeah, you yeah. 
um, achieve what you consider to be your 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 goal and objective, you you just might be winning a kick in the butt, you know, um, and and as a result, um, you might be missing out on 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 really who your kids are are, are meant to be. So. For me, I allow my children to choose their life. I hold them accountable to making sure that their days reflect what it is they claim they care about, um, and and I hold them I hold them really accountable to that. So if you want to if you want to strive to be a baseball player, you want to strive to be uh, a dancer, you want to you want to strive to be a, a professor, I don't, whatever whatever it is, you know, you, then I want to see. That you're doing everything in your day to, to to take steps towards that. So when it comes to when it comes to thinking that uh, sports or being successful at sports is a is a there's a there's like a payoff day. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, th- l- let me just let me just run you through a scenario that might open up your eyes, practically speaking. You know, which is one percent of of athletes make it. So to speak, become professional, whatever to whatever you make it means. You know, let's say that that even half of that are are, are people that don't have a long enough career uh, to to sustain them on any you know substantive level. So so now what you what you see is you've spent a third of your life not preparing for two thirds of your life. So let's say out of that half percent that that don't have a sustainable career, let's let's say that. That half of that percent, percent. Now we're down to a quarter percent of people um, that they don't have a, a, you know, whether it's a blowout injury or, or a manager that that takes their money, or a, you know, or 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 just having it so soon in their life, they make a lot of bad decisions. They have, you know, they create a, a, a world that's not sustainable for themselves. Whatever that may be. Now let's say a half of that quarter percent can out earn all those mistakes. They stay healthy and they have a career. Then they get to that day, that 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 point in time when they when they retire, and it's like death because they never, they don't know their life without it. Wow. Now they're going to enter a world that no longer exists that they don't know what's on the other side, and 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 they've spent a third of their life not preparing for two thirds of their life. And by the way, out of that out of that whatever percent we're down to or or, or under you know, well, whatever percent we're down to. What percentage of them are actually at peace with themselves? Wow. You know, and and when you really start looking at at what you're asking for as a destination, as an accomplishment, as a definition of success, as an arrival point, just be be careful because you just might get it, and and as a result, I think you I think you're going to be woke, uh, you know awakened to a to to a to a reality that that's going to teach you a lot in that in that journey alone. So when it comes to um, you know our children, uh, it is highly prioritized in, in our house that that they see life as theirs, that they see life as as opportunity to 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 be whatever they want to be, and but they also see it through the eyes of empathy. I, they they need to see problems through other people's eyes. They need to see you know struggles through through other people's experiences and, and they learn that in multiple ways you can learn that in sports there's right. some good take there's some great takeaways you know competing against your peer that's your teammate that's trying to take your job you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things to be learned through sports but if you're defining the success of those experiences 
by arriving somewhere, um, I think you're going to be very uh, surprised at, 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 at how that feels and, and highly regretful of what's been built in the meantime. Well, that was outstanding. Thank oh. you so much for for offering that to to parents and you know I'm going to take that on board myself right there oh, yeah. and truly yeah. defining success that that was awesome Andre thank you so much the last question I got for you that we got for you is is really about you now and and what your purpose is so if you could could you just share with us you know what you're doing how you're doing it where people can how they can support you uh, that would be phenomenal for our listeners. Well, uh, I think I think supporting um, um, me is not um, is not uh, as necessary as as supporting um, any others. You know, I mean, like uh, my suggestion would be, um, you know, help people. Um, you don't always have to end up writing a check. You can you can give time. You can give you know energy. You can give encouragement. You can give a kind word. You can you know just make it make it make a difference in, in the world that you're you're. You're living in, as it relates to to what I'm doing, it's kind of led to pretty amazing um, experience. What I recognize with in building a charter school, not being an educator, an operator, uh, but but a facilitator. What I what I realized was um, that the single greatest impediment for these great operators in our country. Now, trust me, 85% of charter school operators don't outperform their district peers, but the top. 15% by far and away do. So when you take that top 15%, those great operators, their impediment to growing is the facility component because a charter school can't access public dollars to build facilities. Right. But once they're incubated, the money allocated from the state to the children, if they go to the charter school, follows a, tra- follows a child to that charter school. So what I've recognized um, and, and co-founded with a partner of mine named Bobby Turner is is the Andre Agassi College? Uh, uh, sorry, the, that's my foundational school. Uh, Turner Agassi Charter School Facility Fund. The Turner Agassi Charter Facility Fund is an infrastructure fund focused on building um, the facilities for the great operators through the private sector because philanthropy isn't scalable. I still have my philanthropic side, right. but if I could if I could go to the private sector and I could impress upon them the merits of investing in our future where they're not looking for huge returns, but they also aren't going to give their money away. I can take all that capital on day one and I can build a school that's completely incubated for these great operators. So let's say they have 800 kids in the school and it's 10,000 per child that the state allots on day one, that's 8 million of revenue. Instead of us just being a landlord and collecting rent, we go through the taxes and bond market and flow for them some purchase capital that can buy back that facility for slightly more than we, 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 we built it for so that we can satisfy that like-minded investor and, and, and the operator can have complete ownership um, you know, moving, moving forward as long as they know how to run sustainably and right. we only work with the best. So doing it this way, I've been able to deploy um, over the last four years probably $600, $650 million. Oh, wow. Um, as a re- we built it in the last four years, six, 69 schools, 36, 37,000 school seats all across this country for, for those neighborhoods that otherwise would be, uh, would not have, you know, choice in, in their lives. Talking about the inner city of, of, of 
many places throughout the country. So you just you never know where your journey leads when you take it, you know, one one day at a time. That, I, I'm just blown away, Andre. Oh. You know, thank you so much for the contribution that you know you made to our listeners, but also more importantly, the contribution that you and your partners are making to these kids who desperately need other options, who need choices in order to save their lives. So uh, just, again, from the bottom of my heart, you know, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. I know, Marcus. Yeah, brother. Thanks, man. That was, uh, that was epic. Well, you guys, you guys do. I mean, listen, what you're doing, I can't commend you enough on because so much has to do with, 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 with the advocacy that goes behind, you know, changing people's lives and, and you building a platform that allows all these uh, uh, intersection where all these sort of stories and listeners can kind of intersect to realize you're talking about real life. You're talking about real people. You're talking about, you know, real, uh, you know, real, real changes, real things that are going on, gives people hope and, and, and the power of that can, can, can do miracles. So thank you both. Thank you, Andre. God bless you. Take God bless. Care. Bye-bye. We'll see you. Bye. Did you have any idea it was going to be like that? <laughs> I'm still writing. Dude, three pages of notes. Dude, you were, I've never seen you write that much during one of these. Start going to that old shorthand stuff <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Characters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Writing up a nine line, you just start, oh, man. You just, <laughs> right here, here's yeah, nine line. Go. Dude, I, I swear, I, I mean, I took notes myself on that. It was so much. He, I mean, did, he knows himself, right? Oh, my gosh, does that dude know himself? From going to a place, and I had forgotten about the stuff in the book and how crazy he got and how his life caved in. I I'd, I'd forgot. I'd read that book in years and years and years. But, dude, man, does that guy, did he come back with a vengeance? I don't want to say vengeance, but with a purpose. Yeah, vengeance. I mean, say it any way you want it. He did. <laughs> People call it different things, man. You know, you get, <clears throat> it's crazy to make it all the way up to that, to the number one and not not feel it. And then have to come all the way back. I hate the game, yeah, dude. To, to have to come all the way back down and walk on the court you came from to start to love it. Like I, I, I literally played the first part to get good enough to be number one. Now I'm gonna go back and get good enough to love it, dude. You know, that guy. I mean, I was. That's kind of it's it's so counterintuitive to me to even imagine that. Hmm. I, you know, I, and it's I, you know, I and wow, I'm just blown away. But uh, uh, I mean, those those moments of of rebuilding they they must have been difficult right i mean those moments where you know because it, it wasn't like he just after that that conversation in the in the hotel with his coach that like it, he just snapped his fingers and all of a yeah, sudden now, go i love it. it yeah you, you gotta go do it he had to he had to claw his way to living with that type of clair clair the clarity and purpose right absolutely it was a great journey you can hear it inside his voice. This is the one that, the, the, that was the climb that meant the most to him. Because it was his own climb. It was his own. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't his father's climb. It wasn't his coach's climb. It wasn't any of that. It wasn't Nick Bolteri's climb. It wasn't any of that. It was his choice. Yeah. It he, really makes He it, made it all the way to number one for everybody else around him. Then he decided he was just going to go play some tennis for himself. Dude, and I, I, I think you hit it spot on, man, is, you know, what, when, what must have he been thinking when he goes back to those courts at UNLV, right? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. And that's I, those are those those sports movie moments where you got the, the champ that walks back down to where he came from, and there's you know 
probably a little kid there like hey you want to hit some tennis balls sure man let's just do yeah. that you know uh, or just going back to where it all starts the authenticity of self right where yeah. and it's an interesting none question. of that was around there if you go back to the place where it all started all the the white noise is gone right it's because it wasn't there to begin with so I the tiger, right? the tiger. Rocky had to go. Well, 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 I'd take him down. To once the, back. Well, we're going back that. to the Rocky references. I, I love it. Well, I think Andre is a is an amazing guy. On you know, and what the lesson, hopefully, that you heard through his story is profound. Is that it's a never ending journey, and there are points where you have to submit to the fact that. It's about servitude. It's about, it's get out of your own way. For me, that was really powerful, you know? And I struggled through that myself after my football career came to a, a crashing halt and and trying to get out of my own way. And thank God I did and had that epiphany, which led to action and joining the SEAL teams for me to begin redefining myself to where I could get to this point now. So what, what an, I just, again, man, just- That's a good it. point, man, because a lot of, a lot of the stories you're hearing as they make it up and they go back down and then they re they come back up with a vengeance, right? Yeah. Focus. That's a good work. Right. Drive. And, and then yeah. hearing them talk about how happy they are now. And it was worth going down in the pit to, to truly, because I think some things may come a little fast in our lives to truly appreciate it. It's kind of like guys when they kids and they graduate in college, like I want a million dollars. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. You ain't gonna enjoy, I mean, you spend it on stuff you ain't going to enjoy, right? right. You got you to earn it. The life, you, uh, make a million memories and save a dollar from each. My dad always said that, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it, wasn't, it wasn't about that. It was about making the adventures. And his the question you got was about the kids. Yeah, oh, yeah. Trophy kids, because now that we have kids, I think about the same thing. And with Axe, man, I because my drive is so strong in, in anything I, I try to put my mind to, I wait till he gets interested in something, and then I'll, I'll start going. And the farther he goes with it, the farther I'll go with him. But I, in the back of my head, because of this whole trophy kid thing, I will always offset his whatever it is he's wanting to do with something else. Right. If he's playing football, he's going to go play some golf. Yeah. And enjoy it with me. That's what, it. that's what we do with dad. Right. right. So that, and I think that those guys that, that, that move in and out all those sports, not just the one they're, they're proficient at, man, they, they have a better understanding of their game. Right. Yeah. You understand how other athletes move. It helps in, in any other way. hundred percent. Mind and body. So it's uh, yeah, that was a good question. I was wondering about that. Cause he hate, you know, he hate, hated life. Oh, everything. At the top of the world, hating it. I mean, imagine that pain, that pressure, too. That's a moral dilemma, ma- like matrix oh, trap. Oh, dude. And then the one he was talking about in the bedroom is like, should I go? Yeah, I want to go, but I don't want to. But he's saying I want to go, and I'm telling him right now. Oh. And then climbing out of the room, just like you said, man, it's, we, it's okay to say everything's everything when we're sitting here, but I got to go out and put you it live down. Live it. Put it down, yeah. You live it. Well, man, he, he was awesome. And I, and I hope if you're listening, you heard all that, and, and you're feeling it, too. Uh, because, you know, it's inside you. I mean, you're going to face hurdles and the journey's never going to stop. Who you are now is not who you're going to be in 10 years, five years, even a year from now. So just stay tight, hold hard and, and, and submit to the great, the greater purpose in life of servitude and, 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 and being a better person every single day in just a little way, accomplish those goals every day, one little thing at a time, feel that success. And, and I think the real most powerful thing that I I want you to take away from this is you've got to be clear in defining what success means to you. And once you do that, then you're off to the races, right? Yeah, it's easy to get everybody to measure success on somebody else's uh, perspective. Absolutely, man. We all do that, right? We all do it. All right. Well, 
that, you know, that's all I got for this show. If you want to follow us, subscribe to our, our podcast on iTunes, uh, tell all your friends, write in uh, a review for us there. And, and if you've got an incredible never quit story that you want to share, share with us about your bass, your, your ba- past background, someone you love has a great never quit, go to our website at tnqpodcast.com. In the section, share your story. Share it. If, if it's awesome and amazing, we're going to read it here. And if it's incredible, Marcus, bring you on. We're going to bring you on here. So I just want to thank my mom, right? My mom is the one who put that tennis racket in my hand before I could walk. She's the one who taught me how to be competitive. She's the one who taught me how to believe in myself that if I worked hard, I, I could achieve great, great things. So you know, along with God and Christ and my children, I want to thank my mom for everything. And, and Marcus, thank you, Wizard, and Andre for this show. That's all I got. Thanks to everybody for uh, bringing us back week after week, man. That means more than you know. And I, I'm throwing this one all on Andre, brother. Thanks for the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, for, for the, you know, from the memories from when I was a kid. And uh, thanks for all that you're doing now. I, I truly got to tell you, man, you... You made an impact on me. Changed changed my life, man. I got stuff down here I'll be reading on for days. So thank you for that, and thank you for being the man uh, that you turned out to be. I'm out. I'm out.